Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, and this is one of our uh, pre-worlds championship shows. Today with uh, Tom Gibbs, who is a multiple AR world champion and is recovering from really screwing up his knee. Broken, tore, brick, bad. Um, but... Uh, when you listen to it, you find it's kind of giving him a new, new perspective on things, and these, uh, like we talk about, get a little refreshed and time to start going again. I was in North Dakota last week for the NARS Championships. Kind of a small field, but very competitive. Um, Journey Racing and Naira neck and neck. I think they ended up about 20 minutes apart after 26 hours. So, really incredible racing. Really cool cool um scenery up there so i think i got post some of my pictures link some of the pictures in the uh, show notes and um i'll have a little video done mm, what's the i don't know if it'll be done this week if it's done next week i'll post it also getting ready to go to ecuador um tickets are here so that's cool getting starting to get gear together uh gotta give a shout out to my friend toby at edge pro cameras gonna be trying something different and be shooting all the action on his really nice little pov cameras so kind of an experiment but i think it'll be be pretty cool um other than that uh, might have some other big information on the podcast and some of uh, maybe a project i might be doing next year so keep listening i mean go to itunes and uh, leave a good rating that'd be cool enjoy that and if you want to make a donation to help uh, keep uh, beans in the pot so to speak you can go to paypal and send a donation to legendary randy erickson films at gmail.com and i will uh, use it for good purposes i think the last few donations have gone to go to uh, watch films at Telluride uh, Film Festival. So thank you for that. And let's, uh, let's hear what Tom has to say. And remember, go fast and take chances. Hi there, Andy. Thanks for listening. How are you, Tom? I'm good, thanks. Good. Well, we finally got it figured out. <clears throat> I'm guessing you might have been top typing in S-O-N for my name. Um, no, I tried S-E-N. Oh, huh. It came up with about four, five or six different people. Ah, well, they're getting more of us. I guess I better do something. So, uh, anyway, good to talk to you. Yes, good to talk to you. How are you so, doing? Um, actually doing well, thank you. So, it's uh, you know, it, it it was a little bit hard with my dad, but uh, it was time. So, you know, we're we're all good with it. Oh, it's easier, uh, I think, if it, you know, if it's their time and everything, you're a bit more prepared for it. 
Yeah, and it, you know he'd been kind of in and out of the hospital for almost two years. And he just he'd be healthy coming out, but not up to a hundred percent. And then something yeah. had happened, and he'd go back in, and then he'd come back, and he wouldn't be a hundred percent. And you can't do that for too long. No, you can't. So, but so, and I see um, we have something in common too. What's that? Um, I'm missing half of my patella. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's growing back, sort of. Um, yeah, they're, they're, um, I'm going to have the metal work out next. So I've got a kneecap again. It's just um, got a lot of metal in it at the moment. So, um, so what did you do? <laughs> you tell I, me your story and I'll tell you mine. Okay. Um, well, I was doing a running race uh, locally called a fell race, so up on the hills. Mm -hmm. And I was just coming down a bit of um, grass, just a slope and slipped and just fell into a rock and just, you know, just landed on the rock and just, it just split my knee open yeah. vertically. So open fracture, multiple pieces, five or six pieces. Wow. Yeah. So. Yours was better than mine. I was actually working, putting in a big window and it slipped and came down. Oof. And I went down on just like a little, like a half inch piece of ice sticking up. Oh, and it it shattered. Mine went to, went to powder. They but it also severed the patella tendon. Okay, so that's that's what took me a long time to get healed up. So, but yeah. you know I'm, I that knee is more well. Of course that was like twelve years ago. But that knee is more flexible than my so called good one. So is it okay? Yeah. I think I might end up coming out similar because I'm working on it so much. Yeah, I mean that's the whole thing. When I had mine is just really doing the rehab and you know once i was out of the cast they told me do whatever you want so i would go hike for four or five hours you know it was only a couple of miles but it was using it a lot yeah i know what you mean i'm, I'm trying to do a rowing machine which i'm using and um i can walk about i've done about a four or five mile walk takes about an hour and a half on it yeah. um i've been out of cast for about two months now yeah. i just still trying to build the muscles up still yeah. nowhere near the same amount of muscle as I had. Yeah. But I've only yeah. got about a 60 degree, 70 degree bend at the moment because I've got all the metal work in there and it's just stopping me from getting any more at the moment. Okay. So, so, yeah. Well, once you get that out, then it should, it'll get better, right? That's what I'm hoping. That's what they <laughs> sort of, uh, that's what the specialist was saying. Yeah. Should, uh, should make a big difference. And they're going to, well, when I'm asleep, they're going to give it a good uh, manipulation as well and clear out scar tissue and, give it a good old uh, clean out so i think yeah. that'll make a big difference as well yeah that that sounds painful good thing you'll be asleep huh yes <laughs> yeah i like general anesthetic it's great stuff it is it yeah. is so um for people that don't know who you are which i don't know i didn't know <laughs> who who are you and what and what is your uh what do you where are you in the adventure race world um so in terms of adventure racing um I guess, yeah, um, people who've done the World Championships may well recognize me, but um, I've been adventure racing now since about, well, for about 16 years yeah. in the UK. Um, I started doing it, in, yeah, about 98. And then um, having seen, you know, friends doing it, and a friend of mine, he did like uh, Eco Challenge in Morocco. Um, so it sort of inspired me to give it a go. I ended up doing actually Eco Challenge in Argentina the following year. You know, sort of thinking it would take me a few years to build up to it and end up doing it the next year, huh. my second year of venture racing. Um, but since then, I've been, you know, sort of 
doing adventure racing around the globe. I've done probably seven or eight world championships now. Uh, won it in 2009 um, in Portugal, um, which was, I guess, the highlight of our of certainly my um, adventure racing career. Yeah. Um, I mean, people in the UK will know me well. I would have thought um, that I've sort of been at the top of the sort of British sport for probably the last sort of 10 years or so. Um, won the British Championships with, with Adidas Terex and before that um, Saab Salomon that I used to race with um, along with a number of other teams. So it's only in the UK, you know, I've been done quite a lot and certainly a lot of races around the world now as well. Um, yeah. So in this year I fancied, I certainly the last few years I've been doing courses and getting a bit frustrated with the sort of um, the quality of some of the courses and, and the sort of philosophy behind it. So I sort of put my money where my mouth was. And uh, this year, um, course plans the um, Itera race in Wales. Yeah. It, well, how did, uh, so how did your course planning go? What did, what did you hear from the racers afterwards? Um, I, I mean, generally, I, I heard some really good things from people. Um, yeah. I think we were hampered by the weather. Um, like. and, and yeah, I think, um, I mean, it was freak weather. It's literally was the worst weeks we've had this summer. <laughs> I mean, even now the weather's lovely over here. Um, yeah. we've, it's, it's a rain today and it's the first time in like about three weeks. Um, so literally if we'd have run it pretty much any other week, um, in the summer, it would have been really nice and less windy. But I, I think that the, you know, the people are, the people are saying any complaints I've had is generally, been driven by the weather rather than the course yeah um certainly had some really good feedback about the course which is really nice um not too much negativity about that um i think we had some issues with the last stage just because we thought it'd be really easy following like a, a national cycle trail but in fact in the middle of the night it's not that easy because you can't see where all the signs are because it's dark um so that that was sort of lesson learned there really um but no in general it, it seemed to go down really well um certainly have some positive feedback oh well that's cool so what's what's something that you brought to the race from being a from being an, a racer i mean obviously most most our race directors have raced but is there something that you specifically wanted or or did or put in there just from your background of racing I think for me, one, I wanted it to be a real journey. So we did a coast-to-coast, -coast, a linear race from the top of Wales to the bottom, which would be a pretty, certainly in the Britain, it's a pretty iconic journey. Wales is a beautiful country, and I think the foreign teams are pretty blown away by how beautiful it is. Mm. Um, and, I, and I wanted to keep the disciplines pretty um, distinct. So when you were on foot, you were in, in the mountains, you weren't on stuff that you could ride your bike on. You know, you were going up big peaks. You were doing stuff that if you were going out for a, a weekend training or just going out for a nice run, it's the sort of routes you would think of doing. Um, then when you're on the bike, trying to keep that to proper biking rather than, you know, pushing your bike, trying to avoid that and, unless it really we really had to. Um, and then paddling, we were trying to get some iconic paddling. Um, a lot of sea paddling we were trying to do. The weather hampered us there. I think otherwise people would have, probably seen a lot more of that um and then we had a bit of river paddling in there as well but we were just trying to keep it just trying to keep the stages interesting and having a a point to each one of them uh, mm -hmm. and and make you feel like right if even if you're suffering and you find it a bit hard you're still making progress and it's still there's a reason for doing it yeah yeah it makes sense so it 
I guess you're kind of of that philosophy now, and it seems to be coming back to that of a a linear point to point race and not a, not looping around and optionals and things like that. Kind of almost back to old school. Yeah, I mean the way we've had to set up the race, there are a number of optional checkpoints, which which basically allows us because we haven't got the luxury here of being able to run a race for two weeks where the winners finish in a week yeah. and everybody else, you know, and then the last place comes in, you know, a week later. Yeah. We we our philosophy is to get, keep the race to four or five days and get everyone to the finish line. So people have maybe miss controls and they'll get penalties for doing so. Certain ones are mandatory. Yeah. But if they miss controls, they just get time penalties for it. Um, but we still got six or seven teams out of the field. So we got out of the 35 teams with the weather conditions. If it had been better, I think we'd have got 10 through the full yeah. course. So, you know, from our point of view, we felt we got it about right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that whole philosophy about, yeah, that, you want to be a journey. I mean, I've done some races which are loops and they, you know, even like one big loop and and that can be fine because as long as it feels like a journey. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think people get frustrated when they're doing lots of little loops in a race uh, and, you know, never really getting anywhere. And sometimes you get stages, which just feel like you're doing more distance just to make it longer, which we try to avoid, which was quite difficult when you had to make the short course short enough for the slowest guys and the long course long enough for the fastest guys. Yeah, yeah. It it I mean it's it's an art I think setting up an adventure race. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's I mean, no other way to put it but to you know and you know with your experience and stuff that helps immensely and you know what what to do. So Yeah, and I think I mean James is just awesome race director in terms of just knowing what's possible and i mean i've got a good idea what the top guys can do but just being able to sort of think in terms of maybe some of the slower teams and what they'd appreciate i think he he was brilliant with that and also with the logistics we had to keep it you know simple and and make sure that we can get you know get stuff around for people and and keep it so it's not a nightmare from from that point of view yeah, um, and that seemed to work pretty well. I mean, his crew is super slick and just know what they're doing. I was really impressed with the behind-the-scenes side of things. So, is this is this the first race that you've uh, been on, been behind the scenes, so to speak? Um, it's the first long race. Okay. I've done shorter ones where I've planned courses, but it's the first multi-day one where I've, I've been, yeah, race sort of course planner. So, so sounds like you might want to do it again. Yeah, I think I probably would. I prefer racing. Yeah, um, I actually finished the. By the end of the race, I'd had less sleep than most of the teams. <laughs> I felt I felt mentally I had mouth ulcers. I felt like I'd done a race, yep. but without any of the benefits of being able to eat a load of food for two weeks. It's just yeah, it was it was really yeah. yeah. James said it before the start. He goes, "Oh, once this started, it'll look after itself," and that was just a complete lie. It was it was it was really hard work all the way through, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed uh, watching people in, either enjoying sections or just you know a couple of times people come off a section, they got a big smile on their face and they've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, we put things like we had this zip wire in, a bit like Costa Rica, but mm-hmm. probably more spectacular because it has a bigger drop on it and it's faster. And that was near the beginning, and everybody really was buzzing when they came off of that. They really enjoyed that. So. Um, so, so it's just trying to keep it fun, and you know, we weren't putting in things like rope work if it if there wasn't anything sensible. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes yeah. you do these races, and they're just like there's an abseil because they feel they have to put one in. 
Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, and I don't know that that's bad, but if if you have to go really just out of your way for it, then it seems a little ridiculous. But if you can put it in in the middle of a big trek, you know, most people like it. Yeah, I think if it's the only. I mean, I remember doing my first eco challenge in Argentina, and we we basically trekked through this bamboo forest and came out top of this cliff, and it was just that was the abseils. And if you didn't do it, you well, you've got to do it. You know, it's the only way through the course. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the sort of thing I like, where it, it yeah. feels part of the journey. Um, so we we you know we did we tried we didn't really have too much like that. I mean, there was plenty of scrambling on the first mountain section. So hands on rock, and unfortunately with the high winds, we had to take out the best bit of it. But we still kept. They still did some um, up a mountain called Triffin, which is quite a famous mountain in Wales. And I think people were. I think the certainly foreign teams were a bit blown away with how good the terrain was um, on that stage. Um, I know a lot of the teams, especially like uh, Vida Ray, they came off that and said that was brilliant, awesome leg. You know, just what we like. And um, yeah, so. It, as you say, it's just using the right terrain in the right way, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so I want to get back to a little bit about you. And mm-hmm. this is something that I think I found, well, from personal experience with my wife. But adventure racing, you, I mean, you, your second year, you went and did Eco Challenge. Um, there's not a lot of other sports where you can, in your second year, be in the World Cup of of the of the sport so do you think that's kind of the mindset of the adventure racer it's like why not yeah i, th- I think i think most people are pretty have a go um yeah. I-, I think one thing that adventure racers tend to lack is is um brains well brains yeah <laughs> and, and memory yeah <laughs> remembering how painful it is just didn't forget that yeah but i i think one thing in the uk is i what i don't see enough of is is people trying to learn from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I see too many people doing races and just making the same mistakes again and again and and not really, you know, we, we had some training courses over here and they, they were initially reasonably popular, but they just seem to sort of die off a bit and people seem to happy to spend money on races and new bikes, but not actually getting the skills and improving. And uh, I think people underestimate how much you can actually improve and they could learn from the yeah. more experienced people in the sport. Um, you know, it's, it's, you see coaching in so many other sports, but but not really in adventure racing. Yeah. Well, I know my wife is, you know, all through her career, she's always read books on, you know, cycling and swimming and climbing. And she realized that she'd never read anything about running so she actually started reading some running books and thought wow there's really a lot to know about running so yeah there's a lot of things that can be learned out there especially if you have a you know somebody to teach you yeah exactly uh i'd like to see more of that and more passing down of knowledge to to new people Mm -hmm. and i always like to see new people sort of stepping up to the world scene as well we've had a few more teams in the uk that are now starting to get out there and that's really nice to see um you know for the longevity of the sport it's a good thing to see yeah so do you is adventure racing kind of uh on a little bit of an uptick in england um i I don't think it is over here to be honest I, Mm -hmm. i think it's pretty the because the organizers are all trying to you know make some money out of it or at least make it pay for itself there's yeah. we haven't got enough long races and they're all the, the, the format that seems to bring in the punters and 
make money is sort of a, a one-day, five-hour, six-hour um, race, just running and biking, or maybe a little token paddle in there. Yeah. And yeah. that's a world of difference from doing something like Itera, or even that's a world of difference from doing the Worlds most of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's one complaint I'd have about the World Championships is that they seem to be on a trajectory where people think they've just got to make it really tough and harder and harder each year. Mm. And that's one thing we tried not to do with our races. We tried not to make it deliberately tough. We, yeah. we knew it was going to be tough. Mm-hmm. You know, we, there was no um, no doubt that it was going to be a tough race, but we didn't go out of our way to make it difficult for difficult sake. Um, and I think too many organisers just just do that. They think, oh, you know, I've got, I've got to make the people suffer and stuff. And yeah. That was one philosophy. We wanted people to enjoy the race. We didn't want them, you know, they're going to suffer anyway, but that was not our intention from the outset. Yeah. So would you be, are you thinking for like a world championships, like a five to six day race where the, where it would actually be more of a a race? I, I think, you know, I, I, I always think the world champ should be a winning time sort of four to five days. Mm. I mean, look at Costa Rica last year. We, we yeah. were third and we were like seven days. I mean, we were yeah. about what, eight, 10 hours behind the, the winners. Yeah. yeah. Um, ironically with that, if they'd have stuck to the original rules about the dark zone, we would have won. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> what, so, an adventure race that bends the rules in the middle of it. Who'd ever well, no, they changed thing. it beforehand, didn't they? Yeah. They said originally that, that the timeout at the dark zone was going to be a timeout. And then yeah, they changed yeah. it to not be a timeout. And we had eight, uh, nine hours there. And I think we'd have won by half an hour or something. <laughs> but there we go. I think it was the right call. We didn't feel like it was. It would have been the right thing yeah. for us to have come in and, and uh, won that finishing third. So Yeah. I To me, you need to have your race that the first team that crosses the finish line wins. Yeah. 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 None of this time bonus. I mean, you can hold you know, If you have time bonuses, you hold them or something. But Well, I, that's – yeah. That's what Never we did like in this that. race. Yeah. Because because of the weather, we, we were then forced to take them off the water early and put them in on bikes. Uh-huh. And then we had a timeout when they got to the top of the zip wire because it was early in the race and everyone was there earlier than they should have been because they didn't do the full paddle on the first paddle. It meant we had these timeouts and then we had, because of the weather again on the second paddle, we had to, our water safety guy pulled everyone off the water for yeah. one point. So what I ended up doing was calculating all the timeouts that all the, the teams had had, adding them all together and effectively then working out who'd had the most and mm-hmm. then giving everyone, holding everyone else until they'd at a set point until they'd served that same amount of time. And I did that for mm-hmm. the full course teams. So it meant about halfway through the race, they were all in the right order and the right gaps. So yeah. if they overtook another team, they, they would beat them. So the order they finished the, would be the order they, um, they, you know, would be the yeah. right order. And I think people really appreciated that. Um, I mean, I prefer not to have had any timeouts, but because we had them, we had to do this and, and it was the yeah. right thing to do. So, yeah. Um, well, that, and then that reminds me, um, how, how did the jersey switch in the jersey things? That work? worked really well. That worked really well, I think. I think the teams appreciated it because yeah. you could see whether people were a full team or not. Yeah. And yeah, that seems to go down really well, actually. Um, I think yeah. that's something that James will be doing again in the future. Um, he seemed to, to really like it. So, um, well, I I think every race should be doing that now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think he's probably you know he's certainly come up with a solution to that whole long course, short course type yeah. thing. And the yeah. thing with James is he really thinks about the short course. So the first thing we planned was the short course. Yes. 
And then we looked at, right, how do we extend this meaningfully to get the long course? Um, Whereas I think a lot of organisers just plan the long course and then sort of like wing it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I I think if you spoke to other people who did the race, you know, most of the people in that field will, um, I think James described it at the start line, there'll be, you know, over half of them will be going into it thinking it's a race and by the end of the first day there's only about 10 percent who actually do consider a race or 20 percent and the rest of them then are just surviving to the finish you know just trying to get to the finish and if the majority of your field and your paying customers are just trying to get to the finish you need to make it achievable for them um so so we did we just didn't design the course for adidas we designed it for the the short course teams and then the sort of back end of the top 10 to try and get them through the long course and um, yeah, that seemed to work quite well. Yeah, I mean, the stuff I saw, it seemed, yeah, it seemed to be everybody was pretty happy with it. So, so I think you guys did a good job. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we did. Yeah. So, what was your background before you started? I mean, did adventure racing? Did so my background of sports-wise was um, orienteering and um, fell running and. I did a bit of mountain biking as well, and I always felt like I wasn't um, good enough at each individual sport, but actually when you put it together, I mean, I did my first adventure race, and there was like British quadrathlete champions and God knows who else there, and I I, 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 I think I'd recovered six months earlier from breaking a leg, um, of my fibula, and you know, I wasn't at my fittest, but I could navigate better than any of them. So I ended up winning the event, and I, which, which I wasn't expecting. And I thought, you know, I, I just like the fact that you're doing a run and then you jump on your bike and do something else. And yeah. I think I think that's what gets people into it. It's those different sports just pushed together. And I was yeah. hooked then. I really enjoyed it and sort of worked out that I'm not too bad at this because I'm, you know, I'm not bad at each of the individual disciplines. So you put them together and, you know, you do quite well. So, um yeah, yeah. I, I think for me that that was a sort of bit of a sort of a sort of, sort of a eureka moment, I guess. And well, I it's think, yeah, it's that curse of uh, doing really well the yeah. first time you do something. Yeah, <laughs> I I mean, for me, the first bike race I ever did, I was second, and it's like, oh yeah, and uh, then you just then you're then you're hooked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and you think this is easy? Why have I done this before? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, for me, and so I just really got into it and enjoyed it. And there were some really great events in the UK back then. I think I think the golden age over here was probably about 10 years ago in terms of variety of events. And they were all well supported. So we had things like the Western Isles Challenge right up in the north of Scotland, which is a, a linear relay event, which is just awesome event to do. And it was quite fast and you didn't feel it. You didn't finish it feeling broken. You felt, you know, you just felt like you had a brilliant week away and, and then there's a lot of 24-hour races and two-day races and shorter ones. So there's a bit more of a mixture, whereas now it seems to have just sort of it almost crystallized down. It's a bit like triathlon going from lots of different events down to a more sort of standardized event. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously just driven by the, 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 the consumer demand. Um, I, I'd like to see some longer events, but if they're not economically viable, then, then people aren't going to put them on. Yeah, I mean, we're finding that here in the U.S. that, you know, Expedition Idaho had five teams. Um, you know, Gold Rush, yeah. which had, you know, had dropped down to a 30-hour race, I think they had 10 or 11 teams. So, yeah. Um, 
Uh, you just yeah. can't run it with that unless you've got big tourism backing, you know. Yeah. So, so we've done really well here getting 36 teams for yeah. the Itera race. And, and I think, you know, I think he's got a bit of a loyal fan base. Doing it every other year helps, I think, because it makes it a bit more of a focus, a feature. Yeah. Um, so he alternates that with a with a, a stage race that he runs, which goes across England. Yeah. Um, which he which we will do next year, which is a nice fun event, but it's it's very much sprint work compared to the Itera. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, let's 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 talk about World Championships. What was what was your okay? I'm I'm assuming Portugal was your favorite because you won. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, what was your favorite place to race? In terms of the World Championships, or in yeah. general. Oh, um, let's just let's just go in general because. Uh, yeah, that's more. The, I think probably my favourite place that I've ever raced was the Arctic Team Challenge in Greenland, um, which just was amazing. Paddling between icebergs, it's just, it's, I mean, I, oh, it just, it just one of those moments, one of those places. I just love it. And the, the race was brilliant as well. So friendly. Um, that was another stage source style race. But that was great. Did that about ten years ago. Um, so that that would probably be right up there in terms of different environment and doing things you don't normally do. Um, I guess after that, um, done things like the Wild Seven in Borneo. That was a nice experience. Um, I guess when it comes to World Championships, I mean, I had a long run of doing them where we'd have an injury in the team, we wouldn't finish. We had like three or four, and at the time, Portugal was going to be my last long race i was going to basically quit after that i'd had yeah. enough and then we just had that amazing race in portugal and, and and won it because of luckily for i mean the format's very similar to what we have in the uk and i think that's personally my strength is, is that sort of format in terms of understanding it and and you know that if you talk to james you know the, the whole sort of having it all in my head and knowing what's happening and and you know the logistics and strategy side of things um so for me, it was just the perfect format. And I think, you know, that showed by how well we did out there. Yeah. Um, but apart from that one, I think, I mean, even like, um, even though we didn't finish, uh, Norway and Sweden was just, and Michael's course there was just awesome. Again, he had lots of, he didn't make anything unnecessarily hard. So like the mountain biking, some of them were just long road, road rides because there wasn't any off-road. So he just yeah. kept on the road. He didn't make it artificial, but he just linked these amazing foot sections, which all had their own character together. Um, mm. Just think about some other places that was pretty uh, sort of pretty special. I'm trying to think where some of the other worlds have been. Um, I mean, I like the concept of the raid in France, but there was too much hiker bike. Um, yeah. But it was still an awesome... Yeah, linear one finishing at the Mediterranean um, was was great. Um, I'm just trying to think some of the other places. Um, isn't isn't that wonderful that there's been yeah. so many that you can't remember all of them? No, yeah, you suddenly go, oh, I've been there, I've done that, and it's yeah. things like even just things like going and doing like the Wu Long out in China. You know, that was a good experience. Um, yeah. um, just trying to think. I mean, I always like racing in, in mountain conditions, so like at the Alps, that sort of thing. That always goes down well. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, Argentina is another place that, that I've now raced a couple of times out there, and that's one of my favourite locations. I, I love it out there. It's the, yeah. the terrain's brilliant, the people are great, and they have fantastic ice cream. 
putting <laughs> ice cream out there, which always goes down well. Yes, but, it um, does. Yeah, we, yeah, we did the the um, the Terra no, Terra Viva last year. I really enjoyed that out there. That was really good. Yeah. Um, well, and kind of the same the same notion, but a little bit different. And this is becoming a stock question, but people really like to know two things: your best six hours ever and your worst six hours ever racing. Oof. <laughs> best six hours and worst six hours racing. Yep. Um, best six hours. I there was one night in Portugal where um, we were on the bikes and I just made a bit of a nav error and we'd we'd missed one of the bonus controls and it was back up a hill and we we decided we weren't going to go back up and get it and I was we all had a bit of an argument and a and a bit of fun out and it got my mad up a bit so I just went sort of I sort of took it out on the course <laughs> and we just went through this night and I was it was the best navigation I've ever done in my life i think it was just like riding as fast as i could and making no errors no slowing down just through the night and we overtook about 15 teams we just carved our way through the field and it, it was pretty pretty sort of sort of difficult nav but you know when you're just on it and you know you mm -hmm. just can't make a mistake yeah. it was one of those sort of nights and we came out the other side and we were back in the fourth or fifth and the guys were like wow that was awesome and and then um the worst is probably I might well be um, Sweden when I, I I pulled a rock off about the size of a fridge and if I'd have been a foot further forward I I wouldn't be speaking to you now. Wow! And it based, it bounced down the front of my leg and it smashed my, one of my toes up and um, we were in fourth place at the time, the best we'd ever done in a world championships. But in the top five, I mean, it's that first race where I felt like yeah we can compete here, we, you know we can be at the top table and. Um, yeah, that just and then I kept on going for a few more hours, and even though my shoe had turned red with all the blood and whatnot, the, the, the terrain was actually not too bad to be able to keep moving. And then we hit mm. some harder terrain, and that was it. I was I was out yeah. of the race, and just having to pull out the race there when it's the first time I pulled out because of me being injured. That was really hard. Um, I think that's probably probably not far off the worst. Um, I think I think you have some bad moments in pretty much most races, to be honest with you. Anytime I feel like I've let the team down with my nav, or or just you know we've we've blown it a bit and we're going backwards, and you feel like you know I'm not a great one these days for just finishing races for the sake of it. I, yeah. You know I always feel like I can finish a race. It, it's not just about that. It's about for me. It's about sort of being competitive and and doing the best we can. Um, so um, yeah. Yeah, I think, but that's probably the worst. Yeah, yeah. That's well, that the worst six I mean, that you know, injury. Yeah, I mean, I can see where that would be bad. But um, so, have you always? I mean, your background with orienteering. Have you always been like a, the primary nav, or? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Generally, I do the nav. Um, I, th I think you know when it comes to like orienteering events, tr traditional orienteering, it's all a bit too quick for me. And I, I, yeah can't compete with the top guys in the uk some awesome navigators here in terms of navigate you know doing that orienteering but when it comes to venture racing it's different it's been able to not focus quite so much but keep that yeah. concentration for a long time and I, I seem to be able to do that so generally in a race i'll be the primary nav and i actually like when i'm tired i'm better off actually naving than not um i know that sounds strange but no actually can, it doesn't uh, to me <laughs> yeah because for Cause... me i've I find it hard to switch my brain off in a race and mm -hmm. I need to occupy it because otherwise I'll just think, God, this is 
boring or I'm slow or I'm always amazed by people who don't nap or don't have anything to occupy their brain and just keep going really yeah because um, I need that to just take my mind off things and um, the nap works really well for that no I actually that makes perfect sense to me yeah you, you can you you your mental part of your brain is working and you kind of can turn off the physical part and you just yeah just move so yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm definitely that. That's definitely me to a T. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, some of us, yeah, just turn off that dumb part. <laughs> yeah. So, um, when you are training, are you, you know, some people I like to say they're they're trainers, and some people are go out and just do stuffers. Are you a heart rate kind of guy, or are you just go out and, you know, do what you think you need to do? I used to be a heart rate sort of guy and all that sort of stuff, yeah. but I'm not these days. I think I know my body well enough to know when I'm, you know, when I'm working and not. And um, I think that the more I've done it, you know, having done probably sort of 20 expedition races now, I don't train for sleep deprivation. I don't, yeah. I see teams going out and doing like weekends training where they're going to go out and go, you know, they start Saturday morning, they finish Sunday afternoon and they haven't stopped. And I just don't see it as being, for me, it's not, productive i don't yeah. need to do that and I, yeah. I don't think many people need to do that to be honest with you i don't think you get much benefit you just get slower yeah so i try and train more for speed so, so over here in the uk we've got certainly where i live up in in the lake districts there's a huge um mountain running scene um and the guys you know you go out and do an, a week uh, an event during the week like on a midweek evening and the field will have like four or five ex national champions in it you know so the standards yeah. just immense in terms of the, the the people up here and and just doing that and really working on getting faster and getting better at the, the shorter stuff i tend to find works quite well for adventure racing yeah for yeah. me i don't need to do the endurance so much so i tend to just go on feel and i sort of know what i need to do um though i think you know having this injury um i'm going to probably be focusing more on the the running next uh, the cycling next year and not so much the running and have some different challenges maybe um I, I just got to see how it goes in terms of when i'll be getting back to sort of the certainly the short racing i think the adventure racing will actually come back sooner really but yeah i mean it's it's kind of less less stress on your body it is, in a yeah way. yeah so. it is exactly it's just like long slow stuff so yeah. um but yeah i don't tend i don't try and train to be slow yeah i think a lot of people train to be slow and i don't think adventure racing is about for me, it's not about being slow. It's about moving efficiently. Yeah, they're just constantly moving. Mm. Um, so let me ask you this, because this is what I found when I I did my knee. I was I was done for it was almost six months before I was able to do anything. But I had been to that point like racing for almost I think like twenty two years with almost no break. Yeah, and I really felt after i got back into it like recharged and and just refocus and my brain felt better so you think you're gonna and i i i don't think we could call it have a resurgence but do you think you're gonna have the same or more passion when you get back i know what you mean yeah i mean i've some people said this you know I, i've not had a good long rest like this yeah. for I can't remember the last time. Probably yeah. when I crushed my toe, but even yeah. then I could cycle. So after a couple of weeks, I was back on the bike. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have been getting on the row machine, and I've been doing a lot more paddling than usual. So I've now got I've now got uh, biceps. 
So I've got guns now, which is quite nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm still doing stuff to try and just tick over. But yeah, I kind of feel like it'd be in- I'm interested to see how my body re- responds to it and whether next year I actually have quite a good year and I actually get a bit fitter and just having given it that extra bit of rest, I'm suddenly fresher and um, I certainly have probably learned a lesson from it that I need to just do a little bit less. Um, it's yeah. easy to get into doing a bit more and kidding yourself you're feeling okay when in fact you are a bit tired. Yep. Um, so I think I'll just, yeah, I think it probably just reset in my mind what, what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing. And um, I'm pretty motivated once I've got over it to certainly get back Certainly on the bike at the moment, because I know that's going to be the, the first thing I can do and mm-hmm. and get back the fitness on that and and see you know just see how good I can get on the bike at the moment. Yeah. So do you think what I mean when you start back again? Do you want to get back to the? I mean, do you want to go to Brazil for the World Championships next year? Is that? Um, or... we, we haven't even we haven't talked about that at the moment but, yet. Um, but I mean, is that sort of where you want to get back to? Is it that level and 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 be yeah, doing those again i want to get back to doing what i was doing before the injury yeah. really um, yeah and i think the hardest thing is going to be the, the short fast fell races and mountain yeah. running here that's which is the thing i enjoy the least to be honest the short ones they just hurt yeah. too much i like i like the long suffering pain you get from adventure racing mm-hmm. not not the short pain you get from a half hour run up and down a hill at, at maximum you know yeah. your lactate threshold so yeah like that that long long pain that builds up not not short the slow hard. burn pain yeah. yeah 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 so definitely i think i think it's easy to deal with yeah um when you when you started racing were there were there people in england or elsewhere in the world that you kind of looked at and said oh i'd like to do that maybe patterned yourself after them or or well, used as as a goal or a well, role model? Yeah, well, my housemate at the time that um, that I sort of knew through, um, he was an Orson Orienteer and stuff like that, Pete James. I don't know if you remember Pete James. Um, he did Morocco Eco Challenge, and he's actually my best man at a wedding, so he's a very good friend of mine, yeah. Pete. And um, he started doing the races. So I kind of, early days, I would look at Pete, and he was always my yardstick. I never beat Pete for a good number of years, and it took me a long while to like, he was always my, you know, I'm going to beat him one day. And, um, and, um, he was always one of my sort of yardsticks early on and, and seeing mm-hmm. him do some of these races and they just sounded so good. So cool. I, I just wanted to do them. Um, and then I think on, you know, back, I guess when I was done off in the international scene, it was, it was people like your Ian Adamson's and Keith Murray's and, and John Jacoby's and people like that. Um, that there were the sort of the big names at the time, really. Yeah. So they were people you certainly look towards and try and learn from, and um, and um, yeah, sort of look up to, I guess. Yeah, so, uh, I think it's it's like on, yeah. No, so there's, I mean, it seems like there's always somebody that you can you can look to and learn from, and and, and uses that that role model. I think there is. I mean, you can always adventure racing is a sport you always learn, don't you? Yeah. After time, you end up learning stuff that you learned before. You've just forgotten, I think. Um, <laughs> number of times you make mistakes, you go, I won't do that again. And then a, you know, a couple of years later, you do the same mistake again. Yeah, um, yeah but you, you're, it is a good sport for always learning. There's always some new new things to learn as well, I think. Some new sports, maybe. or um, It's a bit like with this knee, really. I mean, I look back now to what I know now about sort of rehab and what I'm doing and, 
and it's almost like peeling layers away from an onion and there's still plenty I'm going to learn about what I need to do and there's plenty I've learned to date really and I think adventure racing is like that it's like a big complex onion really yeah and yeah, um, you think you know it but you still you don't really and, yeah uh, always always throwing something new at you yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, the other thing that and I find interesting and is um have you always raced with a core group of people or has has there always been picking up people here or there and and you know have you raced with a lot of different people or the same ones mostly well i mean in my early days i um myself and pete we had a team called ninefeet.com um we won the sort of the the, the precursor to the itera uh, back when it's like the adrenaline rush when it first kicked off um, and them racing the first world champs. And I, th I think there's not many people left on the world scene who had did that first world champs in 2001, actually. I remember I remember in one race, they got people with their hands up, and there was about four of us, I think, um, mm. in the field. Um, so then I did some racing with people like Saab Salomon. I don't know if you remember Saab Salomon. But, yeah. um, um, that's a lot of very top-quality bell runners, basically, from this sort of area. Um and uh, very much, you were very much measured on how fast you could run. Uh, and uh, maybe certainly for those Salomon races, it was more about that than it was about the navigation, which was a bit of a shame. But, um, and then there's some other teams since then. And then I really sort of started racing with Nick and, um, and I guess the, what is now the Adidas team, probably about eight years ago, actually, eight, nine years ago. So it's the team I've raced with the longest, certainly yeah. in terms of time. Um, but I have raced with the teams before that. Um, but yeah. now we've sort of got a core group of UK people, um, most of which, are, apart from Nick, are based around the same area as myself. So, like Sally, the new um, girl who's joined the team this year, she's she lives about sort of 20 miles away. Chris Hope, who joined us a couple of years ago, he sort of leads about sort of 60 miles in another direction, and, and you know, yeah. it's like that. So we we we're definitely building up a sort of core of strong people um, yeah but yeah. in the uk we've probably got the well we have like a uk rankings list and and um we certainly um before i did my knee in any way we had the sort of top three guys and the top lady in the rankings list in the same squad now so um i, I think it's probably like the top uk team in terms of getting pulling the best talent together yeah um yeah. And that's something I kind of, I'd like to see it. I know there's a big thing about making it national teams and stuff like that that was yeah. um, been talked about, which, though I like the idea, I don't know whether the sport's big enough in countries to be able to do that. Yeah, so well, see, you know, you know. yeah. Half the countries it is and half the countries there yeah. aren't. So what do you, you know, yeah. what do you do? That's that's the hard part. But Yeah, um, and I think, you know, it's too small a sport to start excluding teams because of those sort of things, really. Yeah. Um, but I like the more like the idea of it being, I mean, I like seeing the UK, if it was big enough, having almost like a, a British A team and a British B team and people getting selected through coming through the sort of ranks and mm -hmm. showing their worth in the UK scene and then, and then being sort of going onto those teams. But, yeah. um, you know, it's all, it's all down to sponsorship and, and also down to, um, how big the sport is really. Yeah. 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 That's. You know, it's funny. You would think in the U.S. we got a lot of people, but we, you know, we don't have really. We got two teams, you know, at that world level. And it's like, why don't we have more? But you know, and Tech New is trying to do that with the, 
you know, they've kind of got a B team now that they're bringing people in and, and hopefully we'll move them up. So, you know, maybe that's the model for someday. Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, what we tend to do in the UK is that, um, like we were lucky this time last year that the the, the team that uh, Sally and the, this guy Kim were racing on had basically sort of sort of run its course and they were sort of looking around and we sort of picked them up really. So mm-hmm. it's similar in a way. We're sort of building up that core um, sort of um, squad of the sort of top people, but it yeah. sort of happened more by luck and chance than necessary planning. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I've got two kind of final questions because I don't want to take all night with you. Um, The first one is what do you think or do you have any, how, how do we grow the sport? How do we make it a little more mainstream, you know, maybe get some sponsors. So, you know, people could maybe make a half a living at it anyway. Well, I I think it needs better media coverage. I think if you look at James's events, I think they're, um, he does the tracking so well now, yeah. and I think you just need more of those reports. You just need it, – it's a really good internet sport mm-hmm. if it's yeah. done correctly, and I think that's got to be the way we've got to build it from that point of view. Um, I'd love to see it being built a bit more up, and I think in some countries it does in terms of tourist boards and using it for advertising for the country. Yeah, yeah I was really disappointed that it's in the UK that we – you know they don't seem to take advantage of that sort of thing. I think some kind of like Costa Rica, obviously that seemed to seem to do that quite well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, but their tracking wasn't as good. Well, the tracking actually was done by the James, wasn't it? But I mean, like we did, we've done some other races where you, you know, it's it's an afterthought and Mm -hmm. it's got to be one. And one thing James as well is, it's one of the key things for him is to make sure the tracking works as well as it can. You know, obviously sometimes it doesn't, but majority of the time, it works really well. There's plenty of reporting. People can see what's happening. I think with the jerseys and stuff, that helped a bit. Um, his format doesn't make it quite so easy with the teams that start missing in terms of because you've got to wait for a download pretty much until you. Uh, I think I think that's what he tends to do. Yeah, you'd have to yeah. talk to him about it. But I think you know that's the big trick that we've got to got to master as a sport worldwide and make it more accessible for people to sort of follow. Yeah. I kind of I kind of kin it a bit to Test match cricket in the UK, you know, which I know for Americans maybe not the favourite sport, but yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, I've been to see a baseball game to one and that's pretty similar. But it's it's a sort of it's that whole sort of um, the sort of sport you can dip in and out of. It's like robot cycling, isn't it? You know, you can they yeah. can sit in there all day and you can have it on the background and you can watch it and drip, yeah. stop and in and out. And I think adventure racing certainly suits that and. It can yeah. be quite tense when it's when it comes down to certain crunch bits, really. Or um, I remember looking through all the all the stuff on forums after we won Portugal and seeing people and people staying up like through the night trying to see what the hell we were doing and what who's going to win and stuff like that. And yeah. that's just you know that's probably the most exciting it got in the UK. And I think it's got potential, but we just got to try and master that side of things. Yeah. Well, the the. What I've heard, well, I, I, have you heard the rumor, not rumor, that Primal Quest is coming back next year? Okay, no, I haven't heard that. Okay, it, it, there, it, it appears to be true. <laughs> um, okay. And what I'm gathering from what little is out there is it looks to me like they may try to have a media team with each, a dedicated media team for each team. Wow. Wow, which, that, that, 
I mean, seeing um, the Sweco team who had their media guy here at the Itera, yeah. that seemed to work quite well. I think you do need a few of those people following certain teams, maybe. Yeah. Um, and, and just getting those stories as well, getting the other stories from the other teams, the sort of human interest stories. Yeah. People want to hear that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think with Primal Quest, what I'd like to see is them not... I mean, I did it in Utah, and it was like yeah. July in Utah. Yeah. It was mentally hot. And you just think, you know, why don't you just run it like when it was cooler? It'd have been lovely. Yeah. You know, yeah. that was another one of those ones where they just seem to make it unnecessarily hard by just saying, well, let's just put it when it's stupidly hot. Yeah. You know? um, well, the the interesting thing with Primal Quest is they are going to rerun Tahoe. Apparently, okay. apparently oh, like the same same course, more or less. Oh, that would be, be interesting. I mean, I heard a lot of good things about that. that yeah, and that it would be interesting course. to compare twelve years what how it went, but so. Yeah, I mean that would be something I'd probably be interested in doing. I, yeah. I, I'd like to race again in the states. I haven't done for a long time. Yeah. Um, so. I think it's some brilliant terrain. So yeah, that would be yeah. great. Well, we have Cowboy Tough that I help do a lot of media for, which in Wyoming, which is a four day. But and and we've they actually have me. All I do is daily you know, three or four videos and I do a lot of audio posts. So they really understand that just getting a lot of stuff out during the race. So I think that, I think that's the secret too. So, yeah. Okay. So one final question is yeah. this might, this might be the hardest one. <laughs> okay. What's, what is something about you that none of your teammates that you've ever raced with? know? Oh my goodness. me. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I'm pretty open. I tell people too much rubbish. I talk too much. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'll give. I'll give. I, you I used to. I used to a mean John Travolta impression out of Saturday Night Fever when I was younger. That's, and I still have my hair. There you go. Um, but see, see but, I don't always... if, I don't, but I don't know if people already know that. So, well, they do now. <laughs> Well, I mean, and, and that's the point is that, man, there are no secrets from your teammates, is there? No, there isn't, I think. And, and you know, I, I think, I mean, I'm certainly one of those people who wears my heart on a sleeve. So I, yeah. I can be a bit sort of emotional at times and up and down, especially navigating. I tend to find usually the second night I have a bit of a mental um, sort of breakdown, really. And then, then I come out the other side of it, I'm fine. I think it's just the stress of all before the race, just sort yeah. of building up and just, you know, you've got to release it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the things like people like Nick, I mean, I've raced enough now that he, he knows, he knows me well enough that he knows that, you know, that I'll just, I'm having a bit of a spell for five minutes and I'll come out the other side of it, if you know what I mean. So, fine. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I know you do get to know people quite yeah. well and, and, uh, which can be good and bad. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So I lied, but cause I have one more question. Okay. No matter when you start packing for a race, even if it's six weeks before the race, are you still packing the night before you leave? Um, oh, not necessarily, actually. Uh-huh. I used to, when I did my first race, I packed for so long and so many <laughs> times. But now I tend to try and just pack once before yeah. I leave to get on the flight. And then when I get out there, try and pack once before the race. Um, don't necessarily achieve it every time, but I normally set myself, yeah, I try and normally start about probably a, sort of a week, up to a week before the race in terms of putting everything together having already worked out what i still need yeah. um yeah. and then i try i try and do it 
so that well it depends i try not to have it some um, the night before i'm staying up late packing yeah i try to get it all done before then but um sometimes you succeed sometimes you don't but well i gotta but, tell you that makes you a special person because i don't think i've talked to anybody else that's not packing the night before oh <laughs> uh, right so. well i mean i've done enough races now that yeah you know i'm always stunned by the number of people who seem to spend you know, we had like a sports hall before this race, Itera race, and a number of people just spend things spend their entire time in there. It's yeah. like, what are you doing? You know, go, you really, you know, you, they, over, they overpack. Yeah. yeah, they overpack. And people, I mean, like we have like a weight limit in the UK in, in mm. the races for health and safety. And, and people seem to think like it's a target to hit. And I just try and get my bag as light as possible, you know, because yeah. the more stuff you got in there, the more more it's going to be a pain in the ass when you come to do it in the race to actually sort through and find what you need. Exactly. You know, less is more for me. So just pack what you need and then have plenty of food and drink. So cool. That that sounds like a good place to stop. So I really appreciate you taking no. the time to talk with us. So no, it's great I, to talk to you. I hope. Uh, I hope your training gets started pretty quick. And, Hopefully so. Yep. And when you're out, we always remember this. This is how we close the podcast is, you know, go fast and take chances. Yes, but not too many chances. Yeah, that's or true. Or too riskier one. There you go. Don't fall on, don't fall on your don't knee fall again. Don't fall on rocks. Yeah. Exactly. Don't fall on rocks. That's my advice. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Tom. Brilliant. Great. Thanks very much, Randy. Nice talking okay. to you. All right. Bye. Bye. Clapping their hands, not the style or desire of a true 
than Schwarzenegger in Terminator. He's hardcore ripper, very a silver, transform scratching and not a needle skipper. Flashlight steel, MC steel, Mickey D shrimp salad, not part of my meal. Heavy drum hitter, can't stand kidders, hate false metal, and I'm not a bull. Girlies wanna kiss, suckers throw a fist, a lot of rappers try to rock, but it ain't like this. Now that's true metal. Posse up. Yeah.